Hi. So this is Ashley Ellsworth Keller, and I am here with my wonderful dear friend, Maureen Maloney. And I am super excited to interview her today. She's got a fascinating life story. And I think in some ways, really in my mind is kind of the epitome of um, just living an adventurous life, the kind of life that you want to live. Um, maybe I'm completely wrong about that, but we'll find out today. <laughs> so I'm going to let her introduce herself and tell you a little bit about her. Welcome, Maureen. Hey. Um, so let's see a little bit about myself. So I I mean, I know Ashley because we were both grad students at Northern Arizona University at the same time, and we lived together for a little while. And um, I was getting a master's in biology at the time. And uh, since then, I have gone on to um, move more into the field of uh, TV and filmmaking. So currently, I I'm a freelance cinematographer and also a documentary film producer. Um, and yeah, I've lived many places that I'm sure we'll talk about and done many different jobs in that time too. So. <laughs> yeah. And I also just want to say that um, Maureen goes by Mo. We call her Mo. Um, I also call you Maureen. Uh, so we'll use both, both names yeah. throughout. That's usually how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, you, you touched on how we met, um, just a little bit, but I do want to say, I was thinking about it, it earlier, um, that we met through our mutual friend, Rachel, and, uh, we were all living in Flagstaff, Arizona, um, all kind of, I was living with Rachel at the time. We were looking for, she was looking for a new place to live. She helped me find a new place to live. And we were in the student union and saw a little, like a little card advertising a house with two uh, young women living there. And then she was like, I think one of the people I might live with is really cool and you would like her. Come meet her. <laughs> and so that's kind of how it started. Mm -hmm. And um, I just remember going to your house and you had this giant map of Middle Earth on your bedroom wall. <laughs> <laughs> and it was it, it was so cool. Um, like, of course, I trust Rachel's judgment completely so I knew that I would like you but getting getting to know you through that other friendship um I just feel like it was such a really special thing it was like kind of um serendipitous to be able to be to, to be really good friends with someone who then introduces you to somebody else who mm -hmm. now it's been almost 20 years, I guess. <laughs> oh my gosh. <sighs> so. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, that's my that's my origin story of our friendship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but back to you. So, um, where where are you from, and where do you currently live? And just just an overview of that right now. Yeah. So I, I mean, I was born in Connecticut, but we moved to Florida when I was seven. So I grew up mainly in Florida or wait, what is the word you use? Not, not raised, but reared. Reared. Yes. (laughs) Um, I was reared mostly in the Um, it is a funny word. Uh, uh, in this um, very small southern town in the Florida Panhandle, um, which was which was weird because I mean, so the the town that we lived in in Connecticut was Eastern Connecticut was pretty close to Boston. So I, I mean, I have you know my family is very um, New England Irish Catholic. Kind of family, and uh, it was an odd experience then moving to this small southern town. Uh, but now I live in Denver, Colorado, and I have been. I I, I originally moved here in 2010, and then I, I moved away for a few years and came back um, in 2014, I think. So, yeah. So I've been I've been back here. I guess like eight years now. Mm. Wow, I can't believe it's been that long. I know. <laughs> Does, is that the longest stretch of time in one place? Like, what yes. is Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very much so, by far. Yeah, yeah. Well, and one of the things when we first met, I, I guess I forget that Connecticut kind of um, the beginning – of your life being in Connecticut, but I just feel like you are someone you're from Florida, but yet you reject, you reject being from Florida, but yet that rejection is like part of your identity. So it's like, (laughs) (laughs) but you're also, you you have a master's in marine biology. So that's, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) love it or hate it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the ocean is definitely an important part of me. Um even though I, I actually really didn't live near the ocean in Florida, not growing up anyway, um but I did live right by the Suwannee River. So mm-hmm. um I always spent a lot of time in the water as a kid, but it was usually in in rivers and springs. Mm. But I love the ocean and I do miss that. That's the hardest part of being in in Denver. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, well, I, I was going to ask what, um, I was going to get ahead of myself, but, um, what are, uh, some places, other places that you've lived in between Florida and Denver? Yeah, well, there's there's been a few for sure. When I graduated from college, I went to Portland, Oregon was there for like a year and a half Uh, and then went down to San Diego. um, And I wasn't in San Diego that long at the time. I think it was just like six months because I got, ended up getting accepted to grad school and that's when I moved to Flagstaff. And so then of course I was in in Flagstaff for like 
three and a half years or four, three and a half years, I think. Yeah. Um, and then I went out to Hawaii for a little while and was on the big island. And then I got accepted into the Peace Corps. And then I moved to Madagascar and served as a Peace Corps volunteer there um, a little over a year. And there was a political coup. This was pres- the, the president was overthrown. So we got evacuated. And I ended up then living in South Africa for about six months and then traveling up through Africa for a little while longer. Um, came back to the States and lived with my mom for a little while. <laughs> um, who was in, she was, she was in uh, Fort Lauderdale at the time. And then I came out to Denver for the first time. Uh, and then, like I said, I was here for about a year or so. And then I went back to San Diego for a while. Then I went down to Mexico and I was in Mexico um, for about six months. I lived for a little while in Oaxaca, in the city of Oaxaca. And um, and and was in Guatemala for a little bit. Um, came back to the States, was in a little town called Oxnard, California, which is kind of near LA. And then I came back to Denver. And that's where I've been. <laughs> just, just a little bit of uh, <laughs> yeah. traveling and moving yeah. around. I, I feel like I should mention too, a, li- a little bit only because it was rather formative. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a, a, in, in college, I did a study abroad in Paris. So I, I mm. did live in Paris for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it, it certainly, you know, spending like six months in a place that's long enough to get to know a place, mm-hmm. not, not a lifetime, but to get to know like what the culture is and, um, how does, how does that compare to, you know, so you've lived in a lot of places for short periods of time, a lot of places mm-hmm. that many people, including myself, have never been abroad um, or have never been to those places abroad. Um, what is? How do you make a place like that feel comfortable or homey when it's mm-hmm. so different? Or is it different? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely different. It's definitely different. And I think um, it's, you know, I I tell people, I I wish it could almost be like a life requirement to live in a place that's, especially with a completely different culture than your own uh, for like at least six months. I think, you know, six months really is, is the minimum to get that feeling of um, you just realize how much of your own culture and what is right and what is wrong and how things are supposed to be. You take that for granted. Like that is just how it is. Like, of course, this is what's right and this is what's wrong, but that's not really true. It's all relative. And you live someplace else and and maybe, um, you know, in Madagascar, looking people in the eye when they speak to you. That's rude. That's really rude. And of course, in our culture, it's rude if you don't look people in the (laughs) eye when they speak to you, you know, things like, things like that, that um, it's good 
because it makes your mind, I think, more flexible and accepting of alternative ideas. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think that should be a requirement too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in thinking about all these different places, um, do you have one place or what do you what do you think of when you think of home? Like, is there home for you? Tell me more about that. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I've been thinking about this so much since you first um, brought up this this project. And at, and at first, I was really um, resistant to this idea of home. I was like, oh, I don't I don't like it. I don't <laughs> like this idea that there is a place. That is the place where you feel comfortable. That is the place where you belong. Um, and, you know, a part of that is, is a general resistance on my part to externalize things that affect me. You know, especially like in our, our culture these days, everybody wants to um, blame something outside of themselves for making them feel happy or making them feel uncomfortable or or this and that. And, and for me, that's all how you feel is a response, is, is your internal responsibility, mm-hmm. right? And they're internal factors. And, and if you feel uncomfortable or, you know, something, that's something for you to work on internally. Um, and so, yeah. And so the, uh, this idea of home is just another, you know, externalization of, of what, I don't know, of what makes you happy or something. And, you know, I want to be able to, and, and this is part of like, why I think I've traveled so much is, is cultivating this adaptability to be able to be comfortable anywhere doing anything. Mm -hmm. Um, But then I, the more that I thought about it, the more I thought this probably does go back to moving to Florida when I was a kid and being an outsider Mm -hmm. and never really fitting in there and never really forming close bonds to people there. Um, And so there probably is like this much lower level reason for my resistance to the idea of home, you know, more than just like, Oh no, people should be able to figure out how to be comfortable anywhere. Um, so yeah, Yeah. I I don't, I mean, of course there are, I I am a a comfort seeking creature as much as anyone. (laughs) I, I, you know, like to have my, my comfy, cozy place where I can relax and be alone and read a book or, or what have you. Um, but I think, I like to think anyway, that I can find that place or make that place wherever I am. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's, um, what you were saying about um, your experiences, especially childhood experiences, shaping that mentality. It, it's something that, um, you know, David, my husband, you know, obviously I'm just Mm -hmm. saying this to whoever's, (laughs) whoever can hear this. Um, 
He had the experiences of moving a lot around the country when he was growing up. And I had the experience of staying in the exact same place. And I think that has really led to some interesting conversations about comfort and what's, you know, what's safe versus what's boring. You know, at worst, it was like, oh, it's just, I've lived in the same place my whole life. It's so boring. And your life looks sounds so exciting. Like you got to have these other experiences, whereas I got to go to the same schools with the same kids my whole life, didn't have to worry about being the outsider, like you said. Mm-hmm. So it's all about perspective for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask about, and you mentioned this at the a little bit at the beginning when you were in the Peace Corps in Madagascar, um, a time when you were out of your element. And I want to hear more about that experience. And also that doesn't sound like a normal, like end of service for, for a Peace Corps member to have to be evacuated. Yeah. Yeah, And that was, that was definitely really difficult. I mean, the, (laughs) Um, I got really lucky with, with my Peace Corps service. I mean, first of all, being in, being in Madagascar. Um, and I remember like one of the, one of those moments where I, I felt really out of place was the first time that I took uh, a taxi Bruce, um, by myself, which a taxi Bruce is, you know, a bit essentially just like a truck where you're in with a bunch of other people, and uh, it was going out to my my village where I live, where where I ended up living for the first time. Um, and I I had lost uh, Peace Corps volunteers all have a counterpart who they they meet with in the main city, and then you travel out to your village um, with your counterpart. But I my counterpart was late. And arriving to the the meetup spot, and I didn't know if something had gone wrong. And there was, but there was like this, there was this taxi burst to go out to my village, and so I was like, well, I'm I'm gonna get on it and go because I'm not just gonna sit here all day for who knows how long. So here I am by myself, and and we had been doing uh, the the language training. Mm-hmm. Um, for 10 weeks at this point. Um, so, or I guess, no, I guess it was only five weeks at this point because it was the first time I had gone out there. Um, so <laughs> just like the lone white person <laughs> on this, on this truck. And so people are looking at me. And so I thought I would say hello to them in Malagasy which is a very unusual thing in Madagascar because there are, you know, usually when you see a white person, they're French and they don't speak Malagasy. And so I said, hello. And they all started laughing hysterically. (laughs) And I was like, Oh my God, what have I done? And of course, eventually I realized that this is just sort of the, the, the Malagasy response to something new, to something unexpected is that they laugh. Mm-hmm. One of the, one of the many things ultimately that I realized, like that I, I really share with the Malagasy people and that I really love um, is that is like their, 
quickness to laugh. Yeah. About oh, them. oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I would concur. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So ultimately, I really um, bonded with the place and the people there for numerous other reasons, but definitely just, I think, like personality wise, um, I had a lot in common with the people there. And it turns out in the village where I lived, they had the top female rugby team wow. <laughs> in all of Madagascar. <sighs> and I had played rugby in college. Um, so, I mean, it was just a very, very unusual mm-hmm. thing to, for, for any village to have is a women's rugby team. Um, so, of course, I ended up uh, practicing with them and um, becoming friends with all of them. And yeah, Madagascar really, uh, that my village really pretty quickly became my home. And so when we were evacuated, it was very unexpected. And it, it really like threw my life in a in a loop because I had expected to be there at least one more year, um, if not more. Um, I did have a boyfriend there and mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I had a I had a house and a job and friends and boyfriend. I had a life there. And then all of a sudden it was just like yanked out. And that was really, really difficult to go through. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no, it, it seems like there wasn't really any, any way around that. Like it was, you didn't really have a choice. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds really, really traumatic. Yeah. 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 And I was, so then, you know, I found myself in South Africa, in Johannesburg, um, trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. Uh, I was not prepared to go back to the States. Mm-hmm. Um, I did try to transfer to Peace Corps Tanzania, and that didn't work out. The, the Peace Corps has weird, I mean, it's a government bureaucracy so it they have like weird glitches that that they hit and so that's why I ended up uh, deciding to stay in South Africa and I found at first I found a wolf farm to volunteer on Mm -hmm. I did that for a month and then um, that was just outside of the town of Jeffreys Bay and I ended up meeting a woman in Jeffreys Bay who was starting a nonprofit to work with street kids and I moved in with her and I got a job as a bartender and I helped her start this nonprofit. Um, and that's what I ended up doing. Yeah. Well, so how do you, how did you get, um, how did you get from there, from the men- mental, physical space, from being in the Peace Corps in Madagascar on an island uh, on the eastern side of Africa to your next your next thing um how did you decide yeah how did you decide well being on the wolf farm helped Mm -hmm. um, because it was definitely like a good transitional period I had a month there to just sort of like think about what I wanted to do next, um, process what had just happened. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, and I just, at that point, I really was kind of like leaving it up 
to serendipity mm-hmm. and that worked out. Like I said, I, I met this woman in Jeffrey's Bay. Um, I just went there for the weekend to stay um, at a hostel and, and hang out. And the, this woman, uh, she was, she's a Swazi woman and she was working at the hostel and we just ended up talking one day and, and, um, and she was like, yeah, I just, I need to do this paperwork and I don't, I'm not good at paperwork and this and that. And so I was like, yeah, I'll, you know, she was like, oh, I've got an extra room <laughs> in my apartment if you want to. Uh, and I know somebody who owns a bar and blah, blah, blah. I just ended up working out. Um, mm-hmm. so I was like, yeah, sure. So for that, from that point, point on for a while, I was just sort of going with the flow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. And so it was several years later that you found yourself working on a tall ship, yeah. which is another um, uh, in the, yeah, a different part of the, of the world. But um, tell us a little bit more about that. Um, yeah. <laughs> this was on. funny because so I listened to the episode with your brother and he and he yeah. you know brought up living on a ship and like how weird that is how like so few people ever live on a ship and I, and I was like well I'm gonna be your next guest and I lived on a ship although to mm-hmm. be fair uh he he would probably laugh at, at I was just like our <laughs> ship was definitely not a floating city <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, our ship was a wooden tall ship so only about a hundred and 30 feet long mm-hmm. um it we we only birthed uh I think 38 people total on that ship but um yeah that was when so I was I I had made it down I was in Mexico and sort of like well I'm I'm running out of money here. <laughs> <laughs> this is usually what spurs my next move in life or at that time it did. Um, so I'm, I'm going to probably have to go back to the States. Although I, I, I had found a, an English teaching gig, but I was like, no, I, I should probably head back to the States and um, saw a job listing for an education director. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, part of the deal was um, living on the ship um, and, uh, and the, the, program for this nonprofit was um, taking kids on on both day-long boat rides but also like weeks or multiple week long rides on a boat um, where we would teach science and leadership and sailing skills Mm -hmm. while sailing up and down the coast of California and so that's where Oxnard California comes in you're technically living in um, or docked at uh, Channel Islands Harbor. Okay. Cool. That's so cool. Um, so I was on the boat uh, about a year and a half. Okay. Yeah. And who who are some of the other people who are doing this adventure with you? Yeah. So there, <laughs> there were there weren't many. We had um, I was one of only four employees mm-hmm. of, of the nonprofit. Um, it was led by Captain Stephen Taylor, 
And, um, and then we had our, um, our bosun, which is, you know, like generally the person who is in charge of, of, um, taking care of the ship. And, um, we had a, like a marketing person and I'm trying to think of who else was on there, <laughs> but, but then we had a, we had a bunch of volunteers. So some people would come and volunteer and they would live also on the boat for a couple of months at a time. And then people who lived locally in the area who were, who would come and volunteer just for the day, mm-hmm. um, just to crew the ship. But yeah, that was, that was basically it. We did, <laughs> we did shoot an episode of a reality TV show <laughs> oh, wow. while we were on there. Um, the name of the show is called Owner's Manual. And this was a funny story because um they so the premise of the show is that these two guys are competing with each other and one guy is the the by the book guy and the Ugh. other guy is is like by his shirt tails kind of guy and yeah. so it's like who's <laughs> gonna win the competition which is completely fake and <laughs> the competition was to sail out to um the channel islands uh, which are just, you know, just off of the coast there. Mm-hmm. And um, we were supposed to anchor for the night and then sail back. And when we got out there, this massive storm came in. We were anchored, but the anchor kept dragging. And so we couldn't stay there for the night. Um, we were just going to get dragged out to sea. Oh my gosh. So we <laughs> literally the middle of the night, had to sail back across the channel and it was at the time the most harrowing storm that any of us had ever sailed through mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, our sails ripped I mean it was just like it was really bad and this these camera these camera guys were out there catching it and wow. and I just find myself wow this is going to be so incredibly epic um we had hired these some catering crew Mm -hmm. that were really just students from a nearby culinary institute and they as soon as we got back to dock they ran (laughs) they left their pots and pans they left a massive mess in the galley too but they ran they never came back (laughs) um anyway they did not probably never gotten on a boat again but (laughs) enough, the crew had to come back a few weeks later because the um the uh, producers said that the footage was too cinematic so they came back on just like a cloudy day and filmed and acted like oh a storm is coming oh my <laughs> god the actual footage it was like that was an epic storm oh. that we sailed through but oh well wow it yeah. just was too cinematic yeah too real for reality tv <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah, that says crazy. a lot about reality tv <laughs> yeah. Well, it, I mean, it's cool that you're telling that story and I get to hear it. I wouldn't have probably enjoyed it in the moment. No, that's just the thing. Yeah, there's definitely, there's a lot. Oh my gosh. I, I tell people there's a, there, there is a lot that people are like, oh, I wish, um, 
I could live your life, but probably for the most part, most people, most people would, wouldn't want to. I find it highly entertaining. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I know yeah. a lot of people who would never, who would never want to do. Yeah. Things. Yeah. <laughs> well, you went on your, on your 30th birthday, you went skydiving, right? Yeah. 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 That's just, that's mm-hmm. probably all I would really have to tell people. Like this is the <laughs> type of person my friend Mo is. That's, that says a lot <laughs> about you. <laughs> um, so I just have a few more questions. Um, and one of them is, um, you know, with a life like this of a lot of traveling, probably like packing everything you own in like a one duffel bag or backpack. Mm-hmm. Has there ever been a time when you felt homesick in a way that surprised you? And what is what does that mean to you? Like Yeah, that's a really good question. I, the the only time I can think of ever really feeling homesick and this was like going back to Paris in college it was the first time that I had ever lived outside of the U.S. Mm-hmm. and I had a boyfriend back in Florida and um and I even as I felt this way even as soon as I got back to the U.S. that like I spent I wasted a lot of time like pining about being mm. home, even though I had for the most part, a great experience in Paris. Um, and, and I think like really soon after I, I regretted that I regretted like the energy and time that I had wasted on that. And I think that that has stuck with me through everything else that, you know, this idea of, of just be here now mm-hmm. and don't worry about what's going on elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's a great thing to remember. Hard to, hard to put into practice for a lot of people. Yeah. But yeah. Years later, I read the, um, the alchemist, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. book, the alchemist and, you know, and there's like the, you know, the, the, the great aspect of that story is, you know, this, this guy finds this woman and, and he's falling in love. And, but then he has to leave to go on this quest. And, and um, I can't remember it, it was the, the alchemist that said to him, I guess, you know, like go. And if it's meant to be, it'll be here when you get back. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, I wish <laughs> I had read this sooner. You know, but I mean, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's I think I was 25 when I read it. So yeah. it's not like it's you know. <laughs> Yeah, and sometimes you have to learn it and live it for yourself to really yeah. like if you had read it earlier, it might not it might not mm. have had the same resonance. So It certainly would not have. Right? Yeah. Um so and kind of the flip side to that, I'm curious if there is a time or a place where you felt like this is where I'm meant to be. Like, even if it's just for a moment for like mm-hmm. a short period of time, is there, a, have you had that experience? Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I've had it a lot, actually. I love those moments. Um, they're usually something really weird connected to me. Like I remember one time in Madagascar and, and again, I was in the back of a, of a taxi, Bruce. So imagine it's really just like a pickup truck with like a tarp over the top of it. And you're just crammed in there with a bunch of other people. I think at the time I had like a chicken underneath my foot, like a live chicken. And then I, and like this woman um, had put her baby in my lap because she had her hands full with like her other kids and her things and all of this. And um, they had like a mystery juice, like dripping on my head and we're, we're bouncing down this quote unquote road. And I say, and I say road because it, it's, it was a sand road, not a dirt road mind you, a sand road, like, <laughs> yeah. like driving down the beach. <laughs> and I just like had this moment where I was like, oh my God, this is so perfect. <laughs> I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. which is <laughs> bizarre. It's like anybody would say that's the weirdest moment to think is perfect. Um, but, you know, I just thought about like, oh, you know, what would I, I could be like back in the U.S. watching freaking survivor (laughs) you know what I mean just sitting on a couch watching survivor um uh but here I am actually doing this yes things like that oh that's so cool (laughs) and the yeah you can't you can't make that stuff up you can't no it's too it's just too colorful and too real to to imagine (laughs) yeah and and having those moments to pick out in your mind. Um, I don't know. They're like, those are precious moments. Yeah. To me. Definitely. Um, I just, one thing I'd really like to know, which is similar to the last question, but, um, if there is something that's not a physical place, but that you would describe feels like home, like could be anything like a meal or a song a smell, a person, um, is there any, anything non, well, some of these are physical, but, Mm -hmm. um, that, that you would say, oh, that's home to me. Yeah. Well, I'm, I definitely think the ocean breeze, Mm -hmm. um, that's probably the number one thing. Like when I, especially when I've been, away and the first time I had been away from the ocean for a long time was actually when I moved to Flagstaff and that first winter in Flagstaff was really brutal it was just like the the first time that I had been so um I don't know isolated I guess from from the ocean and and also like there was a lot of snow and and so and it was very cloudy and and you know very and um and I took a trip just a weekend down to Rocky Point Mexico yeah (laughs) and it really was like that moment that I put my feet in the water and felt that felt the sand felt the water felt that ocean breeze it was like my cup refilling Mm -hmm. it was like oh my god my cup has been empty and I'm barely getting by. And now it's like, boop, 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 fill me back up. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You don't always know what, why you might, like, sometimes you do know why you feel 
isolated or Mm -hmm. something doesn't feel right. You don't feel like yourself. And then it's when you do get the chance to feel that again, that you realize, oh, that's what's been going on. Yeah. 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 Um, Yeah. For, for people listening, it snows a lot in Northern Arizona. I don't know how many times (laughs) I'm going to have to say that for the rest of my life, but (laughs) it can snow a lot. (laughs) Um, Well, is there anything, anything else that we didn't talk about that you wanted to share? Um, I don't not not really. I I I should have brought this up with the the with the ocean thing, but um, palm trees. When I yes. see a palm tree, I don't know. It's weird. It's yeah, weirdly soothing. Just like you know, and sometimes you see them when your plane is landing. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like when I fly out of here. I can think of like um, flying to Hawaii or flying to Madagascar and like landing down in that first glimpse of a of a palm tree mm. it's like that that rush of a uh, serotonin or whatever, whatever yeah. it is right <laughs> but, um you know you're just like oh yeah yeah <laughs> there's something weird about that yeah and it's not even really a tree but that's okay <laughs> so whatever whatever works <laughs> <laughs> well um there there are plenty more things that we could talk about um, but one, one thing is, um, just that you're about to embark on mm-hmm. <laughs> the greatest adventure of all <laughs> motherhood. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so come sometime in July, mm-hmm. um, you're going to have a new adventure how what are you fe- what are your feelings about that oh, <laughs> tell me how you feel about that <laughs> yeah I'm I'm excited you know I mean I am um we're the same age so yeah I, I am an advanced maternal,
with these new travels, we'll we'll all be rooting for you. (laughs) 